What's up, guys? I am Caleb Giddings. I'm Keith. I might be Jack. Maybe. And joining us this week is our friend and uh, gun industry cognizanti. I think I pronounced that right. You did uh, not. Chris, Just I did no. not. <laughs> Isn't there like a shut in that? I'm not a town. Alex Sansone, when he watches this, is going to go like this at the camera <laughs> because he's so Italian and I butchered that word. But anyway, uh, joining us this week is Chris Baker from Lucky Gunner. who's He's a friend of ours. Um, he's an extremely knowledgeable uh, journalist, also the creator of one of the funniest characters in the firearms industry, the legendary Manny Mansfield character. Um, and before we get into what we're going to talk to Chris about this week, I do want to remind you guys that this week's episode is sponsored by Taurus USA and Guns.com. If you want to buy reliable and affordable firearms, you can learn about them on TaurusUSA.com, and then you can buy them from our friends at Guns.com. That's the first promo I've gotten through without fucking it up, so uh, everyone's happy right now. God, we're making progress here, aren't we, boys? Anyway, so Chris, we're going to start this off with, uh, you know, I I mentioned this offline, but I wanted to ask you what it's like to be, because in... So in our circles, right, you're very well known, you're very well respected, everybody thinks very highly of you, and we're not going to try to inflate your ego too much, but when I mention you to like gun normies, which I now have to interact with quite frequently because of my new job, they're like, who's Chris Baker? And then I say, oh, the lucky gunner guy. So what's it like to be one of the best respected industry journalists that nobody actually knows or recognizes? Uh, I mean... It's kind of funny. I appreciate the flattery, but uh, yeah, it's it's weird because you know, like I'll go to a um, like a training class. The kind of classes I go to are going to be attended by the kind of people who are like my, you know, my core audience. So mm-hmm. I'll go to a class, and like you know, half the people there probably know who I am at least. Uh, recognize me. Some sometimes it takes them a couple of days. They're like, "Are you that guy?" Like, but yeah, like. So it's not like uh, it's not like I I walk around on the floor at shot show and I can't move like uh, you know like Hickok forty five or somebody like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean there's there's like a very small group of people who seem to like what I do and uh, you know have given me good feedback. And then there's you know our YouTube channel's got like a little over half a million subscribers now, and I would I would guess that like most of them don't really know. It's like you're putting it into context of like the stuff I'm talking about is like not anything I came up with. I'm just repeating what experts have said for the most part. And so if you don't know that that's what experts say, then you're like, who is this guy? Why is he saying something I haven't ever heard before? And so, yeah, that's kind of the dichotomy. Like you get some people are like, Oh, I'm so glad you're saying this thing that I've been saying for years, but no one listens to me because I'm, you know, an expert with a very small core audience. And then right. on the other hand, you've got like this 900 people who know to listen to me and nobody else. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I'm trying to amplify these guys message and uh, it, you know, it, it's a lot of times pearls cast before swine. So you heard it here first. Chris from Lucky Gunner calls his audience swine. And you know what? That's, <laughs> That's okay. right. Because they are. <laughs> wrong. I love swine. <laughs> no, um, it is interesting, you know, because I think that you guys at Lucky Gunner published what is one of the most referenced pieces of 
testing and journalism in your great caliber discussion, you know, which is a wonderfully SEO optimized article that pops up when you search for, you know, 357 Magnum terminal ballistics and, but you've shot, you know, and that thing gets referenced. <clears throat> it gets referenced constantly. I see it in, you know, normie tier Facebook groups, stuff like that. Um, I often see it used as a ref as a counter reference to when someone is shooting you know trash to you know test ballistics and things like that and i mean how often like you don't have to give me numbers if you can't but how like i does the is the legacy traffic for that piece still just great like does that still constantly rank for you guys yeah i mean if uh we haven't updated it in three years the, yeah the initial like article went up uh, I think 2016, 2017. And no, we've done like that That's impossible. No, it, it, it was why well, you're old now, Caleb. Shut up, uh, so are you. We've, uh, we've done some updates. We added additional oh, calibers right. and we haven't done anything till like, right. since like early 2020. We've got some stuff in the works for this year, but it's been sitting there like essentially untouched, but it does, you know, a lot of traffic for us, like way disproportionate to the amount of attention we pay to it. It does numbers, as Jack would say. It does numbers. It's yes. doing numbers. Which... Seven uh, heart reacts. Which brings us to actually what we were going to... What we wanted to bring you on and talk about and not something that I thought up while I was running this morning. Um, this has been planned the whole time. But last week, uh, maybe two weeks ago, we were we started getting a little off the rails and talking about like subcaliber handgun carry. You know, specifically, you know... You know, uh, I mean, small, you know, small calibers, things smaller than 38 special, really. And there has been LR, the, yeah, 22 LR, 22 mag. And obviously with, you know, 22 long rifle punch, you know, there are people who are advocating for 22, you know, carrying 22. And I actually shot some punch into a ballistics jail block the other day. And it, it went through the clothing barrier and it did penetrate 12 inches, but it's just, you look at those little itty bitty bullets in that gel and you think about having to shoot a mammal the size of our friend Jack Clemens with that little bitty bullet. And you just think, and maybe it's just me, maybe you guys out there are comfortable with it, but I look at it and I think, well, I don't, I want, I want more bullets. <laughs> like, I just, I mean, Please, for sir, a Jack size mammal, I want mass. I want the 12 mass. gauge in my closet, like but intellectually i understand that it's lethal i do but spiritually <laughs> i can't get smaller than nine millimeter without feeling very weird which is also weird because if i get larger than nine millimeter i feel like i'm dumb like <laughs> i'm riding the nine millimeter train i feel like this will be me when i'm 70 and like my nieces and nephews are like Oh, Grandpa Jack, you got to get yourself one of the rail pistols or a laser Gatling pistol. And I'm just like, no, thank you. Combustion firearms won 23 World Wars. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know when I will become grumpy and not want to change anymore, but I know it's coming soon. <laughs> because when, <laughs> I, to me. When, I hear, when I hear people talk about subcaliber Gary, I'm just like, them kids today like i'm not feeling it so what do you think chris like i know that you've been you've talked about you know to the 32 magnum which is my personal favorite subcaliber to carry so like where are you at 
on the subcaliber thing and how much did like the ballistics testing that you've done influence that? Yeah, I'm going to give totally the wrong answer because the, um, I, uh, I'm, I'm okay with pretty much any caliber other than 25 AC. Yeah. Fuck the 25. I get <laughs> no, nobody likes 25. Uh, but it Criminal, honestly, criminals it had do. very like little to do guns. with, what was that? <laughs> 4% of crime guns are 25 ACPs. That's because they're easy to steal. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and, and that's kind of part of it. Like, very little of that has to do with what I've found in ballistic testing. Um, because, for one thing, uh, ballistics gel gets weird when you get into smaller calibers. Mm -hmm. uh, clear ballistics in particular, it's like the elastic qualities of that medium do weird things with FMJ and they do weird things with, with small caliber. They do weird things with buckshot, anything that's round uh, that doesn't have a shoulder or is not like an expanded hollow point. You get some weird results. You get a lot of that bounce back. And then like, you know, are you measuring where the bullet stopped? Are you measuring how deep the wound channel is? And, you know, it, you get into some really weird esoteric stuff that there's not a professional standard for because clear ballistics was not, you know, what was established when the uh, you know, the grandfathers of ballistic testing were coming up with all this stuff. Um, so, you know, that's that's kind of caveat to everything. 22 will do 12 inches in gel and clear gel. Uh, it'll do 12 inches in um, organic ordnance gel in some cases. But... Uh, you know, what, what did it for me is more, um, listening to Claude Warner and, uh, Greg Elifritz's, uh, caliber study, which is, uh, mm -hmm. if you're not familiar with it, Greg just basically got fed up with the fact that there was not a good, um, you know, there's not any data on this stuff. Like it's not anything police collect or anything like that as far as civilian shootings. Um, so he just went through every source he could find and compile a list of like number of shots to stop, et cetera. Uh, so it's not like, it's not strictly scientific. You have to kind of take it all with a grain of salt. But what he found was like the smaller calibers perform better than you would think. Uh, and, you know, there's people have used that data to support whatever their particular argument is, or it's not anything real definitive, but for me, it was like, uh, you know, looking at the odds, looking at... Uh... I remember referencing that chart, and it, it goes through all of them. And, like, the lowest percentage of, like, effective shots, because effective shooting was just, like, the bad guy went away. It's, it wasn't mm -hmm. the guy. Right, like right. It's like the, the, sh the gun did the job, and the bad guy went away. Like, the lowest percentage on that was, like, 80% or something like that. And I think yeah. that was also the 25 ACP had the lowest. <laughs> right. And, it, and if you think about it, like, most people really, really, really suck at shooting. Mm -hmm. And... Your swine you know, audience, for example. Exactly. <laughs> and most most people who have had to shoot a dude are completely untrained. Um, if there was such a thing as like a database of shot placement, it would probably look really miserable. You'd have a lot of, uh, you know, extremity shots. And if somebody's carrying a, you know, a, a Raven 25 and they shoot a dude in the arm and he runs away, it's the same result as if you, you know, 
put a cluster of 45s in his chest. At the end of the day, you're not dead and he's gone. So not using like an edge case to justify like carrying a 25 Raven, but you know, like we probably think more about this stuff than we really need to. And so I like getting into it. I can nerd out on it. Like looking at the numbers is, is cool. And my, my whole thing in starting the ballistic gel test, you know, aside from that sweet, sweet SEO uh, was basically like if a gun company makes, you know, the new hotness JHP felon killer, whatever, <laughs> the like, villain killer. I got I got the felon killer nine out of my hey, tech. Isn't, isn't that what uh, isn't that what uh, Jim Cirillo called his like homemade yes. semi wad cutter thing? Fel, yeah. Felon yeah. grabber or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, you know, if 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 whoever makes one of these rounds, like you, the consumer really has absolutely no idea whether to take their claim seriously. Like, there's there's nothing to differentiate one JHP from another other than just marketing hype so like okay let's let's come up with some objective way to measure this that was kind of the the thinking behind the um the ballistic testing stuff so i i think that stuff has value i like nerding out i like seeing numbers at the end of the day though you know when we're looking at what matters in a self-defense you know the holistic perspective of like what matters for living and dying like it's probably pretty low down on the list. So, but I, you know, I'm with you. Like you I look at the 22 and it's like, yeah, I know it, it probably would work, but it's like, I carry a 32 J frame most of the time. And I know that like the 32 long wad cutters look the same in the gel as the 32 Magnum, but I still carry the 32 Magnum because Magnum. I, I, I carry the, so I, you know, I'm so guilty of it too. Uh, no, and I'm this is specifically on that 32 issue. I've talked to you know uh, people like Bulky about it a ton, and he's like, "Yeah, carry the the 32 long log cutters." And I'm like, "But this one says Magnum on it. <laughs> it, it it's really, so much louder. You like that sometimes? It is a so, lot louder. I I have a preference for nine millimeter hollow points, 135 grain." Plus be load. The reason why was that's what Paul Gomez liked. And he told me that's what he liked. So I went out and bought that. And he's like, if you can't get that, get 124. And you know what I never did since then? I never got a chance to ask him why. But now I'm stuck 10 years after he's gone. Still, go when people are like, what do you like? I'm like, I like a 135 grain. I have no science to back that up. Other than that's what the dude who taught me liked for some unknown reason. Paul liked a lot of weird stuff. I probably shouldn't base that on that. Like <laughs> Paul was into some weird esoteric crap when it came to guns. Yeah. I mean, uh, he, like uh, I remember Craig Douglas talking about this phenomenon, like the, the psychological attachment you get to something like that. Like he shot a dude with a 12 gauge slug and he was like for years, it was just like he had this, Oh yeah. Slugs are where it's at, man because he had seen it work and it's really right. hard to like you know consider something that well you know a hundred percent of the time it worked i my my one for one real world one I for did one. instance says that did the thing i uh i do enjoy the fact that we are getting to the point where 
a lot of our experts spent time online. And if you look for it, you can see the like tracing pattern of their beliefs starting here mm-hmm. and kind of ebbing and flowing over here. I remember um, TPI. I think that's what it was. Yeah, total, total protection. protection in our... If you weren't around, that was like, that was the cool guy forum back in the day. And you were expected to like know your business or not talk. Yeah. Um, so I did a lot of not talking there and a lot of note taking, but I remember like reading stuff where they were years ahead of anybody else. You know, Paul Sharp was talking about running red dots on patrol probably seven, eight years before it was mainstream. Um Which, probably... that's a whole separate conversation. When was it officially mainstream, but continue? Uh I don't I don't want to subtract too much from this, but yeah, I've got yeah. some feelings on that. Um but I remember when I started, there was a lot of J frame hate. A lot of this is not the ideal tool for the situation. But when I went to TPI, they were like, caveat, a J-frame and appendix is cheating when you get into a clinch fight. And I ended up at the time being in a lot of clinch fights because I didn't uh, choose a good career. Mama, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. Um, so I, I was like, okay, well, I'll go get one. And that'll be that'll prevent me from having to learn jujitsu. <laughs> and what actually happened was what actually happened is I had to go I had to go learn a bunch of jujitsu. <laughs> so he got the revolver and he had to learn jujitsu. So now that I'm older, I kind of like to see the methodology behind why. So when I'm told things like, well, in most self-defense shooting, a hit is likely to be a psychological stop to the attack. Okay, yes, if it's monetarily based. Like this guy's, you know, with a classic self-defense shooting is a counter ambush for monetary means in a um, watering hole transient situation. So we go from a private location where we're very secure to a public watering hole, be whatever that is. It's just sort of where we gather. And somewhere along that game trail, we end up getting attacked. And unfortunately for the guy doing that, he has selected the wrong one. His his target selection has failed, and now he's facing a threat, which he really doesn't want to be facing. Um, yeah, that guy is not providing the alligator. Yeah, so like any any amount of resistance will probably be enough to help you there. Um, and if that's your only concern, I think you're pretty smart. I I I think you live a good life. That, that's the smart way to be. Um, now to get to the science behind it, what was just lies? Like, if that's, we now know the basics. How much did the gun industry just lie for so many years or just not know that they weren't telling the truth? Well, and that's an interesting I, I, question. Well, Go ahead, Chris. I, yeah, I, I think a lot of it, um, you know, not that there's not outright deception. A lot of it comes from just miss, missing the context, you know, like getting so much advice from the, uh, you know, Tom, Tom Givens has a good lecture on this. There's like, 
military context, law enforcement context, and competition context. And that is where most of our information comes from, someone with one of those three backgrounds. And if you don't recontextualize it for whatever you need to do, you end up with some really backwards ideas. And then you got some weird stuff like um, confirmation bias, where you get something weird like, uh, who is that guy, Lance... uh, the, the watchmaker guy who had like six gunfights in his shop or something. Oh my yeah. God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like, I, let's I, take this one extreme example. And like Terry classes, um, Lance Bro, Thomas, I think was his name. Yeah, that's it. That's Change it. Change your store location. Christ. Exactly. Like, like there's, there's like, other ways around this problem. that don't involve, you know, six handguns within arms reach at all times. And that solution uh, is, go somewhere else <laughs> yeah but she eventually did he eventually yeah yeah because they got tired of people getting shot in that parking lot they were like hey buddy we're gonna revoke your yeah they your they police. started upping the scale of attack on his store specifically and he's like all right i'm out <laughs> like i'm done i'm done with this that dude Honestly, they... go ahead i just i love his and you know it's, it's a bit of a tangent but i love his stories because like he had like a SIG under one desk, a 357 under another. Like he was like his house, you know, the scene in the good Punisher movie with uh, Thomas Jane, where he's fighting the big Russian guy and there's like guns everywhere. That was how this guy's jewelry store was set up. Just guns under counters. Yeah, you're and... right. They were all different too. He's yeah. like, I've got to, he, he would I, just I, go I, and get another one when he needed, when, when he had the space and he he at one point hired like an armed security guy because he's like, all right, two dudes in a gunfight better than just me. But his first gunfight was really indicative of like the the normal thing. Like he had the one, it was in front of him and accessible. And so when he got held up and he shot the guy, success. And he shot him with a glazer, whatever they're saying. Safety slug. Yeah. Like the worst possible. Yeah, oh that's we've discussed on this show the absolute retard hold that round had over me the 357 magnum blazer safety slug i just i i believed in my heart of hearts for the longest time that that was just god going blip and you're dead did blip and you're dead and did anyone it else magnum on it did anyone else grow up reading men's adventure novels yeah a, like Mac Bolin, all all that stuff. Was I the only child of the eighties that did this? Nope. Because they impart a lot of really dumb gun knowledge on you that will take you years of deprogramming. Lewis was, novels do oh, the same thing. Two hundred dollars shy of my first carry gun being a Desert Eagle forty four Magnum, because <laughs> one, it says Magnum. Don't know if you know that or not. <laughs> 44, more power than 45. That took me a while to work out mentally. Uh, and semi-auto magazine, real fast reload. How was I going to find a holster for that thing? Like, that thought never I, occurred I know, to me. I know a dude matter. who had one made. He appendix carried it. And I was just like, oh, I've done it since funny. then to just prove it <laughs> can be done. Like, uh, you guys, Sherman House has one. He, he, was also, he was also Caleb's size, so... Actually, he's probably smaller than Caleb. 
Do you guys remember the guy at NRA annual meetings last year when I was taking my photos of people's open carry rigs and the one guy I did not hate on because he had dual shoulder holstered chromed deagles? And I'm like, bro, I'm not even mad at you. Bro, you that, live your life. Like you're, you're <laughs> he not carrying that in a serious manner. That is a vibe, sir. And that's OK. Like It's his world and we're just living in it. He went all the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I oh, love it. So well, I say this. I say this about one of our other friends, Tam, Tamra Keel, who every time I listen to Tamra like talk about whatever she's carrying that day, Tamra gets dressed like she is the protagonist in a detective story. Yes, like fifty uh, percent <laughs> chance that she has been at some point. So right, like <laughs> so she's like, well, I just wanted to walk around and take some pictures today, so I didn't really bring a lot of gun, just a three fifty seven Smith <laughs> and I'm like, damn, you! I literally am hoping that you're going to run into someone who needs problem solved, so you can be like, oh, I gotta walk away, but the case it calls to me, like <laughs> <laughs> just it's just it was just. It was just two photos. That was all they wanted. <laughs> How was I supposed to know? Oh they, man, um, they needed a photo of a cat and a car. I, 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 I feel very <laughs> lame, but I'm like, I just put on a Glock 17. <laughs> you know, she she put it on the second she woke up and didn't take it off until she had like one <laughs> foot in bed already. <laughs> But here, here's the here's the thing too, and I know Tam listens to this, and she knows we're not taking the piss out of her because no, I know that's I actually no, true. Not at all. Like, there's very few people that if they looked me dead in the eyes and said when they got up and they took a shower and then they put their pants on, they also put their gun on, and they didn't take that gun off until they took their pants off. At the end of the day, there's very few people in the world who could say some shit like that to me, and I won't be like, get the fuck out of here. She says it. I believe it. I'm like, no, I did, did, did it. I know you. I know your bona fides. I've trained with you. Yeah. I believe this. This is the, she. There's a real short list of people that can say shit like that to me. Because I'll tell you guys, her chief special nine and goes about her day. God, she does have some great weird guns too. Oh, uh, right, uh, like I, some classic early James uh, Smith semi-autos. Like you know what? I mean, you're that a fan of those, also, just... right, Chris? You're a you're a big Smith and Wesson Gen three guy. Well, I mean, I I'm a DASA guy and. I am too. Thank you. I, you know, I, I don't love that the, uh, I don't love the safety. Wish it was a decocker. Otherwise, I'd probably be carrying one today. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, no, I like those. I like the, uh, uh, the single stacks, especially. The the lady Smith first carry gun was a nine ten. It, it was a oh. new Clinton era, Clinton ban era, but it shot. Yeah, <laughs> I, that, that shot. Uh, I firmly believe that the Smith and Wesson Lady Smith, the nine mil, mm. was better and is better than the Shield ever was. And yeah. that instead of making the Shield, they should have just kept making more Lady Smiths. But it was that time because I, I was I was they, at the they Shield. Have, they should have just rebranded like Walter did with the F series, and just instead of Lady Smith, just go L series. Yeah, and they wouldn't. <laughs> I was at the Shield launch event, and that's how old I am, guys. So. Uh, that's weird. I was at the Shield launch event with James Yeager, so there's a whole that's a whole sentence that I never really thought I would would be uh, kind of a bummer. Uh, but anyway, uh, and I just remember thinking, this is fine, but what if it had a hammer and a better trigger? 
And the Smith people were like, but it's the polymer striker world. And I was like, I know. And I'm going to kick rocks about that. But um, so back to to bring it back to the caliber thing, you know, kind of put a little bit of a bow on this because we have one more question we want to ask Chris uh, as well. And but the caliber thing is interesting, I think, for all of us. Right. Because what we've seen in this conversation is kind of where everybody's comfort zone starts and stops. Right. Like for me. It's my comfort zone starts at 32 Magnum. That is where I do not really think about the caliber of the gun that I carry. Now I carry a gun one step lower than that. I carry a 22 Magnum from time to times because I have an ankle holster and I have a scandium frame 351 C, right? Okay. That's what that gun is for. And then at the higher end of my comfort zone is I do occasionally carry a 45 Colt because you know, if I've run into a jack-sized mammal, I want to put a really – my brain says big bullet, put big meaty hole in big scary thing. So uh, – but, you know, so we've seen everybody kind of has that, you know, comfort zone. And Jack's comfort zone starts at 9 millimeter and then ends at 9 millimeter, which is, you know. So <laughs> not not entirely true. I have, oh. I have – so my comfort zone begins at 38 special plus B. That is that is where we start. Um, it ends with my grandmother's three fifty seven Magnum, uh, which is two and zero. We have we we've had a conversation about your grandma killing right. people. By the way, so, oh. uh, so like it yes, says so Magnum, and I know that some bitch works. <laughs> All right. So uh, last question. I, oh, go I ahead, recently. Keith. I, I recently expanded because I, I was with Jack for a while, like nine, nine, and it still is nine millimeters, my comfort zone, uh, as just like when in doubt, nine millimeter. Um, but I recently, after a conversation with Tam, expanded and added the hipster 5.7 by 28 to my comfort lineup. And it was, it was really Tam that, that was like, no, it's, it's fine. I, I trust it. I like those guns. And the 40, as, as long as you're carrying 40 grain rounds, you're fine. Uh, and I was like, oh, cool. And she referenced, I think, some of Chris's work with 5.7 by 28 and ballistic testing Not yet. Um, on the 40 grain for uh, 40, 40 grain rounds and was like, yeah, this, this is why this is fine. And so I'm like, okay, I guess I can go to bougie 22 mag as well. It is bougie twenty two mag. It's bougie twenty two mag. It's sixty cents around, and there's like there's nowhere nowhere better. <laughs> yeah, we we've done some twenty two magnum testing. We haven't done five seven yet, but we're actually that's like the next thing we're doing. Oh, uh, okay. And we've got yeah, we've got some surprises there. It should be fun. Surprises. Uh, I actually I I refused. So I knew a guy who uh he, he gun writer who passed away. Um, and he probably killed more pigs than anything but swine flu. And he absolutely would not shoot uh, shoot him with 5.7. He was like, this round is bullcrap, doesn't work, da-da-da-da-da. So uh, I am firmly in the I hate 5.7 camp, and I would actually rather shoot someone with a 22 Magnum. So that go ahead and suss <laughs> that one out, people. Um, so our, our last question the, though for the physics why yeah. the physics I, no but it's, it's dumb as hell right because this goes back to like the you get this thing in your head and we all know legendary lawman chuck haggard and he said something to me once that 
every shooting that he has arrived at that was done with a 22 Magnum has been a homicide, right? And I've actually shot a bunch of things with a 22 Magnum, both from rifles and pistols. And no people. I haven't shot any people with a 22 Magnum. Let's get very clear because I don't want the internet to think that I'm not when I'm talking about my ass. I've shot a bunch of animals with 22 Magnum and it really, really works really, really well. So in my head, I'm like, ooh, 22 Magnum, very killing, mucho effectivo. Um, so I don't know. It's one of those that it, it's a bug that gets in your brain. But anyway, Chris, last question uh, before we let you go. And this is actually about uh, not about any of this, but I I I, I know uh, having watched one of the uh, one of the Manny Mansfield episodes that starts with a cup of coffee, I know where that reference came from because I was there for that. <laughs> um, but where did you get the idea for the Manny Mansfield character? Was it just sort of like a pastiche of every bad gun idea ever, or you know, I honestly I don't remember at this point what I mean. There's always like you you only read so many YouTube comments that you have to pseudo politely respond to before something is like breaks in your break. brain. Right. And so you have to have some kind of release valve. And so to some degree, Manny was just like, okay, let me just let me just put all of the cliches I can into one guy. And mm-hmm. for some reason he has Jim Scouton's voice. Uh, and it, it it was a mixture of that and also just sort of like, because not everyone, like the people who know, know nothing, they don't know, they know nothing. Like, right. They don't bother me nearly as much as the people who know a little bit of something like people who know they read a bunch of the worst. They read a bunch of Cooper articles in the eighties that had some good nuggets, but they haven't been able to like figure out what that means in the 21st century and those people drive me crazy. So there was a little bit of like some of the Cooperisms in the early, in the early Manny stuff, just kind of Cooper stuff, but like taken to an extreme because it's not so much Cooper was wrong about anything. It's all the people who have followed him are like go off the rails Mm. Like you do with any, you know, if you just follow any one guy, like that guy's got all the answers and it's 30 years later and like, really? Yeah, Cooper teaching in the 80s. We've learned some stuff since then. Uh, right. I feel like, like Jeff Cooper really start, stopped teaching, teaching, like probably, I mean, was it might have even been as early as the late 70s was when he kind of stopped teaching because, you know, they went through that whole phase at Gunsight with like, orange gun sight was bad gun sight and then mm-hmm. he got control of it back and it was good gun sight again uh which that's a like if you guys ever want to have like a very interesting conversation sit down and talk to ken who runs gun sight now about the history of the place and it is genuinely fascinating what gun sight has gone through and i strongly recommend everybody goes to gun sight not that i'm a multiple gun sight alum and occasional guest instructor or anything i'm not biased guys but uh but yeah, so okay, my the last Manny question, and because you, I so obviously I have a YouTube channel. I also moderate comments on this channel for uh, this podcast very, very cruelly. Um, how uh, how often you know? And I and I know you do the Manny content very infrequently, but how often do you get people who believe it's sincere? Like every time there's somebody, <laughs> like usually there there's a couple people who it's, it's clear they don't. Yeah, there's there's always a couple. Usually, it's more people commenting saying like, "I showed this to my dad," or "I showed this to my uncle," and he thought it was real. 
Okay, so, that's fair. I think the people who think it's real are maybe so technology deficient that they haven't figured out how the comment system works. Uh, but there, there are usually at least a couple. Um, and, and it's funny because either they can go both ways. Some of them are like, man, this guy is preaching gospel truth. Or they can be like, no, wait, you're wrong, Manny Mansfield. <laughs> e- either way, I love it. It's, it's I, oh, I, love to see I genuinely to don't know which one of those is better. My, I oh, genuinely the, can't my pick. Favorite which, honestly, I, I'm... Yeah, my favorite Manny moment happened when you were at SHOT Show. With the Polaroid? Yeah, you're taking a picture of a gun with a Polaroid, and there's a guy right here, and you can tell this guy is having an emotional, conflicted moment where he's like, <laughs> "What am I seeing?" Yeah, like, and he was old enough to like. He, he, I thought he was old enough to be like in on the joke. He's not there. He's he's like, shit. The acid kicked in. I'm not sure what I'm seeing. <laughs> He was at the cry party the night before. He licked something he should not have licked, and he, now he's standing there at Shacho, <laughs> gripping the arms. And he's like, "Oh, I do have a many question. How comfortable are those shoes?" Oh, the ones from Shot Show. Yeah, they're, they're actually pretty comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't pack the shoes, and I was, I didn't have like specific Manny shoes. And I was like, "Wait a minute, this isn't right." So I went to the shoe store, like in the mall area there at the casino slash hotel and uh I bought some like i don't know sketchers white tennis mm, shoes perfect so, yeah they're pretty comfy i had a pair of sketchers like slip-on leather shoes that i wore one year at Chacho, and they were the best freaking things i have ever put on my feet and i they were the dorkiest shoes i've ever owned i had multiple women tell me that those are the ugliest shoes they'd ever seen so did they make an appearance <laughs> at the next show fuck no but you know what i'm married now so maybe the the dorky sketches can maybe come back, coming back. <laughs> All right. Well, that is uh, that is it for this week's episode, Chris. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, please thank give you. out any URLs, links, uh, any place that you would like people to find your content. I assume Lucky Gunner is shadow banned on Instagram because we all are right now. So, yeah, uh, Lucky Gunner on uh, YouTube, or you can find all that same comment content on our blog, uh, LuckyGunner.com/lounge, and of course, buy ammo from us at Lucky Gunner. There you go, guys. Uh, That is it for this week. We will be back next week with another episode. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for liking, sharing, subscribing. Make sure that you do all those things. Make sure you share this podcast with your friends. Um, uh, I do have some sad news. Our one Google listener has not Google listened for a while. So I'm thinking that he might have either gone. I I assume he probably went to a new platform because, you know, I would just hate to think they haven't had power. He is okay. He is okay. I have I have talked to them recently. He's okay, but but Africa be Africa. Failed, yeah. failed uh failed state is the is the term. Failed state. All right, guys, that is it. We'll be back next week.